0: The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. The point of this letter of 1 Peter is to strengthen us in our suffering. That is the main overarching theme Throughout the entire letter, Peter's writing to um, churches that are beginning to suffer greatly and will continue to suffer greatly uh, because they claim the name of of Jesus Christ. And that has been the experience of believers um, since the foundation of the church. And that is the experience of believers today. And so Peter's writing to strengthen us in our suffering, to be... Willing for us, we are willing to suffer over sin and silence. We choose suffering. We choose suffering for Christ's sake. Over engaging in sin and over being silent. You realize this... this term suffering is used 28 times until chapter 5, verse 11. 28 times Peter speaks of suffering that we endure. The reality is is that suffering is real and suffering will happen for the sake of Christ. That's that's we've been sort of hammering on that point now week after week after week after week. And we'll continue to do so. Because Peter continues to do so. So, this morning, the first five verses of 1 Peter 4, I believe, have one main point, and here it is that we are to make a determination of dominion and direction. That we are to make a determination of dominion and direction. The main the thrust of Peter's words to us this morning, the main imperative of the text, the main thing that we are to do according to this text is that we are to make a determination. Peter says it this way in verse 1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. This is the determination that we are to make as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. To arm ourselves with the same purpose of being willing to suffer rather than sin. This is the determination that we make. A willingness to suffer rather than sin. Peter says... To introduce this, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. What Peter's saying is, because Christ has suffered for righteousness' sake, because he was victorious, because you will be victorious, then you are to arm yourself with thinking like his. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, Peter says, Because Christ suffered for righteousness' sake, because he was victorious, we've we've looked for weeks at Christ being victorious in suffering. Since you will be victorious in your suffering, then you are to make the determination that you will suffer rather than sin. Because Christ suffered in the flesh. Now, this also means that because Christ has suffered for righteousness' sake, And because Christ, the Savior, the perfect one, the creator, the sinless one, because He suffered, then we should be ready to suffer just like Him. And that when suffering comes for righteousness' sake, we should not be surprised by it. That a life that chooses suffering over sin should be normal to us because it's exactly what Jesus said it would mean to follow him. I'm going to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 16. Starting in verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man Give in return for his soul, for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels, the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. This is what Jesus has called us to do. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This is what Jesus says it means to follow him. To deny yourself. What does Jesus mean when he says to deny yourself? What he means is to deny your sinful desires, the sinful desires of your flesh. To deny yourself the comfort that going along with the world brings. To deny yourself these things. And to take up your cross. What is a cross? A cross is an instrument of Suffering and suffering even to the point of death. This is what it means to follow Jesus. To deny yourself and to suffer. To suffer. And then Jesus comforts us with these words. For whoever would lose his life, for my sake, he's going to find it. He's going to find it. Because the Son of Man is going to come with His angels in the glory of His Father and will Himself repay each person according to what He has done. Since therefore Christ has suffered in the flesh, there is a determination to be made. And that is that I am going to arm myself with the same kind of Thinking as Christ Jesus. Peter says, Since therefore Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Now, what does this mean? What does it mean to arm yourself with the same way of thinking? Because this is it's just strange language to me. To arm yourself. What does this, what does this mean? Well, you, you know it's not difficult to understand that this is a military term. To, to arm yourself. It means to outfit yourself with the proper armor needed for battle. To arm yourself. This is a, a difficult word because this word isn't used in this form in any other place in God's word. So when you come to things like what does this mean to arm yourself? What you want to do is you want to go to the scriptures, you want to see what how that word is used in other places and let the scriptures interpret scripture. Well, this is difficult with Peter in 1 Peter because he likes to use words and terms that, that aren't found anywhere else. And this is this is one of them. It's a verb, it's in verbal form, it's an action, it's something you do, and it means to to arm yourself not just with armor but also with weapons to be prepared for battle completely. Now, I think there's a couple of things to note about this. And the first is that this is proactive. This is a proactive determination made by the believer. What that means is, is that this should happen in your life before the battle begins, right? Because once you're in the battle, once the battle has begun, it's, it's too late. You've got to arm yourselves for the battle that is to come. This is, this is proactive. This is a way of thinking that you need to do now, Because if you wait, it may be too late. We arm ourselves with the same way of thinking as Jesus Christ so as to prepare ourselves for suffering. And we do it before the suffering ever comes. Because once it comes, it may be too late if you haven't prepared yourself, if you haven't armed yourself, if you don't have the the armor on and the weapons necessary to fight this battle to where you're denying yourself and you're taking up your cross and you're following him, you make that determination now. You make it now. Secondly, I see this as both offensive and defensive. It's defensive we put the armor on, it's defensive. So when that, the evil one or our own sin tempts us to choose comfort over holiness, we are prepared for it. Right? So it's, it's defensive. So when, when those attacks come to us, these temptations to sin, this is the, the context here, Choosing to suffer over sin. When the temptation to sin comes, we've prepared ourselves in such a way, we've armed ourselves that we're ready, right? So it's, it's defensive in that way. But it's also offensive in that it takes the battle to the evil one with a proactive attitude that daily chooses this. That daily chooses this. Every day I'm choosing To put on this armor. And to quote the Mandalorian, this is the way. (laughs) This is the way. This is what God has called us to. See, I know our people. We're a bunch of nerds. (laughs) Most of you have watched The Mandalorian on Disney Plus already. If you haven't, it's pretty good. But he's a, he's, a, he's a mercenary, he's a fighter. He's, the old thing is an armor. He doesn't take off. He's prepared for battle. This is the way. It's the way of the Mandalorian and it is the way of the believer. We're arming ourselves. We're arming ourselves. But what are we arming ourselves with? And Peter tells us we're arming ourselves with the same way of thinking as Christ Jesus. It's going also be translated with the same purpose of Christ Jesus. Now, what kind of thinking is this? And to what purpose is this? We're to arm ourselves with a certain way of thinking or a certain purpose, that which is the same as was and is Jesus Christ. What is it? I'm to give you some examples of what it is, what this means Jesus himself, John chapter 4, starting in verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. And so the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish His work. Jesus has been ministering here. He's been traveling. He's in Samaria. He's at the well. He's revealing himself as the Messiah to this Samaritan woman. His disciples are concerned that he hasn't eaten and want him to eat. He's already eaten, he says. There's a food that they don't know about. What is this food? And Jesus says, this food, this sustenance... This thing that drives me, that sustains me, is to do the will of my Father. To do the will of God. What was the thinking of Jesus Christ? What was the purpose of Jesus Christ that we should arm ourselves with? It is the willingness to do the will of God. Let me give you another example. Matthew chapter 26 Starting in verse 36, shortly before Jesus takes up his cross and suffers unto death. Matthew says, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going up a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Let this cup pass from me, this cup of judgment, this cup of wrath, this cup of suffering that he didn't deserve, a suffering for righteousness' sake. God, would you let this cup pass from me? Jesus, not desirous to endure this. If he had it his way, he wouldn't. But there's one way of thinking That drives Jesus Christ. There's one purpose that drives Jesus. And that is the will of God over his own will. Not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. So when Peter says, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking What Peter means in that is that no matter what may come, I'm doing the will of my Father in heaven. That's what he means. That the will of God is my intention in life, no matter the outcome. This is what we are to arm ourselves with. This is the way of thinking and this is the purpose that we are to prepare for the battle and engage in the battle of sin over righteousness to say, my desire, my purpose, my way of thinking is to obey the will of God no matter the outcome. This is a willingness to suffer even to the point of death if that is the will of God. And we are to arm ourselves with that kind of thinking and with that purpose in life. And church, this is a determination that you have to make and that I have to make. This doesn't happen automatically. This doesn't miraculously happen every day when you wake up. This is a determination that you have to make and that I have to make. And Peter says that this determination is made in the mind, right? Arm yourself with this kind of thinking. That this is a determination that we make in the mind. But there's an important distinction for us to make here. You see, you can have this kind of thinking in your mind, but it's not in such a way that changes you. Meaning that you can know that this is the way that should things should be. You can know that this is the way of Christ, but it doesn't settle into your heart in such a way that changes you. You can have it in your mind, but not have it in your heart. To arm ourselves with this way of thinking is not just to come to some cognitive assent that understands that this is true or that this this is the way things should be. But it's to arm ourselves not just with the way of thinking, but with a purpose in life that starts in our minds but moves to our hearts and changes the way that we act. But church, you cannot have this in your heart without it first being in your mind. You can have it in your mind without it being in your heart, but you can't have it in your heart without it first being in your mind. It starts here. And it becomes so much of a part of you that it settles in your heart and it moves you to action. You have to engage your mind. You make a determination here in your mind. You decide these things. And then by the grace of God, by the spirit of God, he takes it. He pushes it deep inside of us and it changes our desires so that we live with the purpose of obeying him and following his will over and above our own desire. For sin. This is a determination that you must make. And it is a determination of dominion. It's a determination of dominion. Peter says it this way: Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And you know, I thought I was going to be done with these hard phrases last week. But here's another. And guess what comes next week? Another one. But it's okay. What does this mean? Whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What, what does this mean? Well, I don't know. But I can tell you what it doesn't mean. And then I can tell you what I think it means. Now what does it not mean? This does not mean. That when you suffer, you enter into some kind of perfection. That is not what this means. We, we are not... Whatever that you know, monk was in... Uh, that Tom Hanks movie. I don't even remember. Huh? No, no, no. He was a monk that, that, that hurt himself, that injured himself... So that he could be closer to God. Because in our suffering we cease from sin. This isn't that we just we harm ourselves. We, we suffer because in suffering we enter into some sort of perfection. That cannot be what Peter means here. Because remember, we talked about this last week. God's word is not going to upend in one place what it teaches clearly in all other places. The Bible's clear. On this side of heaven, unfortunately, we will not enter into perfection. If the Apostle Paul says, the things I don't want to do, I do. I ain't got a shot. We don't enter into a perfection. We can desire it, we can seek after it, and we should But it's not that suffering enters you into some kind of perfection. It also doesn't mean that when you are converted that you enter into some sort of perfection. No. So what I believe that Peter means in this, and by the way, many commentators and scholars agree with me, or better, I should say I agree with them, is that when you live this way, When you arm yourself with this kind of thinking and purpose, you are proclaiming to the world that sin no longer has dominion over you. That he who suffers has ceased from sin means that when you choose to suffer over sin, what you are saying is that sin no longer reigns in you. That there has been a definitive break between the way that you were and the way that you are, right? That there has been a definitive break between you And the world. When we choose suffering over sin. What we are saying. When we make that determination. What we are saying is. That the dominion of my life has shifted. It has changed. There's been a break. I was once in the dominion of sin. But now I'm under the dominion of God. Not that I don't sin still. But sin no longer reigns over me. And we're willing to suffer for it. I think the, the clearest place that this is seen in is Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. The verses will be on the screen. It's a little bit lengthy. It might help to turn there and follow along with me. Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at the first 14 verses together. Paul writes and says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him into baptism into death and ordered that just as Christ was raised from the dead... By the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be Enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So, this, when we make this determination that this is our way of thinking, this is our purpose in life, what we are proclaiming is exactly what Paul is, is talking about here that we have died with Christ. And our life is hidden with him. And his way of thinking is now our way of thinking. His purpose is now our purpose. And when we choose to suffer rather than to sin, what we are proclaiming is that sin no longer reigns in us, that we've died to sin, that we've died to sin, that we are free from sin. Verse 8, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he gives or he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let no not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. This is what Peter means when he says that the one who suffers ceases sinning. We cease from sin. It's not that we never sin. It's not that we've reached some sort of perfection. What it is, it is the evidence that what Paul talks about happening. Being united in Christ's death, being buried with him, being raised to a newness of life. Now being taken from the dominion of darkness and brought into the dominion of light. That when this break happens, dominion shifts and no longer are we slaves to Our unrighteous desires. But now we are slaves to righteousness for Christ's sake. This dominion in your life has changed. It's changed. We make this determination. We make... This decision, this is the way of thinking. This is the purpose that's going to rule my life. And so when temptation to sin comes and I choose righteousness and I suffer for it, I proclaim to the world the dominion of my life has changed. And not only the dominion, but also the direction. Also the direction. This is verse 2. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. That the... The dominion of my life has changed. There's been a definitive break, but there's also now a different direction. I am no longer living, pursuing the passions of the flesh, but now I am pursuing the will of God. The direction of my life has changed. I like the way... Peter says it in verse 3. He says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. It means that any amount of sinning was enough. It really doesn't matter how much it was. Right? That there's been a definitive break, there's been a, a determination made there's been a change in dominion, there's been a change in direction, and I can stand today and say that the amount of sinning that laid behind me was enough. And that doesn't matter if I'm eight years old, if I'm 18 years old, or if I'm 80 years old. The amount of sinning behind me is enough. There's no longer any more need for that kind of life. My dominion and my direction has changed. The time has passed. The time has passed. You know, there are some people who think that I will get right with God later, that there's more that I want to do. There's more sinning I want to engage in. There's more passions I want to indulge. There's more things that I want to do that follow after the course of my own will and desires. And when I'm older, then I'll get to the point to where I say, okay, now I'm ready to follow after the desires and the direction of God. That is not how it works when salvation comes. When salvation comes, no matter the age, no matter what lies behind us, we say that amount of sinning was enough. That amount of sinning was enough. You know, there's some that might be scared of hell, but not enough yet to make the break. Peter says there's a break that comes. That God calls us to make a break with sin. To make the decision. This is where it changes. This is where it changes. These desires and these passions that rule our hearts have now changed. I'm not indulging in them any longer. I like verse 3. For the time has passed, this suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. What they want to do that there's the natural desires in the fallen human heart that wants to seek after these things. They want to do these things. What are they wanting to do? They're wanting to live in sensuality. They're wanting to live in passions. They're wanting to live in drunkenness and orgies and drinking parties and lawless idolatry. Their desires, their passions, their heart are seeking after those things. Things that indulge their sinful desires. That's how the Gentiles want to live. See, the implication is that we no longer have that want in us. And that's why I say that 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 thinking's got to go from here to here, right? Because the, the wants flow out of the heart. That it starts in our mind, this determination that we make. But by the grace of God, our desires have changed so that we can say there's been a definitive break. And I no longer desire those things. Because I see what those things bring. And they bring death. They bring destruction. They may counterfeit themselves as bringing fulfillment, but they always leave us lacking. And so it's the will of God that I will pursue. And Peter tells us that this might just cost us. Verse 4, with respect to this, they, that's the Gentiles, are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. And they malign you. There's been a definitive break. There's been a decision made. There's been a determination made. We've armed ourselves with the same way of thinking as Christ, with the same purpose that says, I'm going to follow the will of God no matter the the consequences. I'm going to follow the will of God even if it means suffering. I'm going to follow the will of God even if it means death. And as I do it, I'm going to proclaim to the world that sin no longer has dominion over me and the direction of my life has changed. And when I do, a lost world is going to be surprised that we don't join them in the flood of debauchery. I sort of feel like that sort of implies any longer, right? They're surprised because you used to do that with them. But now you no longer do. And so they're surprised. And what do they do? They malign you. They malign you. They inflict harm upon you, they cause you to suffer. Because you have chosen righteousness over sin. You've chosen righteousness over sin. But the good news is that God will handle this for you. That's the next verse. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. God is ready. God is able to judge. And he will bring judgment on those who seek after these things. And he will do it for you. He stands ready to judge them, those who malign his children for their decision to pursue righteousness over sin. Here's what that also means. It also means that if you're not living changed by Jesus Christ, you're going to be in the day with them. And you will be judged by Jesus Christ and make no mistake, he is ready to judge. Here's what that means. That means at any moment, at any moment, his righteous judgment can come. And you can think, oh, one day, I'll get right. One day I'll make this decision. One day I'll make this determination. I'll stop this then. But now it's too difficult. Now it feels too good. Now it's too enjoyable. Now there's more things yet for me to do. However, he stands ready to judge and it could come at any moment. At any moment. There is a determination that we need to make. Every day, a determination of dominion and a determination of direction. That we choose every day to arm ourselves with the same way of thinking as Jesus Christ. Who, although he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. And he emptied himself. He humbled himself. Taking on flesh, taking the form of a servant and suffering even unto the point of death, even to death on a cross. Now arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. A humility of mind that says no longer my will be done, but your will be done. No matter what comes, no matter what suffering may come, my choice is to not choose sin. There's been a definitive break. There's been a change in direction. There's new dominion. I've died to sin so that I can now be free from sin and live for Christ. Arm yourself, Peter says, with that way of thinking. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.